Um, so tonight, I chose uh, the courage. Courage is a topic for for tonight. Um, I think it's something that we can all agree that's important um, in our lives and in the world today. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this um, to this topic or issue. Um, I think we're all familiar with what it means to 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 have courage or to be courageous. Um, when I think of courage, um, I often think of military, like you know, like the Delta Force Division or um, Navy SEALs, you know, like the elite of the elite um, of our military, carrying out uh, the most dangerous missions that are out there. Um, I also think of of movie heroes and characters. Uh, so William Wallace, you know, leading leading his people, leading the Scots uh, in uh, a war to fight for their independence, even though they were uh, drastically outmanned and outnumbered. Or one of my personal favorites, Lord of the Rings. Uh, all these characters banding together for one common purpose, to, to go uh, destroy the One Ring and, and save Middle-earth. Um, another favorite of mine is Star Wars. And so Rogue One, I think, is a great example of this, because you know, they, they knew that they were probably all going to die but they, they still went and, and did what needed to be done to steal the plans of the Death Star. <laughs> we also see biblical examples, too. We, we see David. Um, David had many examples of, of courage, but I think the most popular one that, that you see is when he stood up to fight Goliath. No one else wanted to. They were all afraid, um, but he he decided that he wasn't going to let anyone uh, trash talk his God. And so he stepped up to the plate, and you know the story from there. Also, Daniel in the lion's den, you know, he was willing to not, he didn't want to stop praying, essentially. And so as the punishment was uh, for that, the, the king was kind of uh, tricked into making this a rule or a law or whatever. But um, in short, he was willing to die rather than stop praying to, to God. Um, also, Gideon, you know, they were already outnumbered against the Midianites, but the Lord kept having him reduce his army further and further and further. And, and I see that as his courage needing to grow and grow and grow along with that because, you know, just looking at it uh, through man's eyes, like how are you going to do this? And so he had lots of courage to, to, to lean on God uh, to, fight, to fight that army. And so all those examples to a certain degree, involve danger or um, situations where there's physical danger or uh, risk. The military saving the world through these missions or these uh, uh, fictional characters and stories. Um, and even the, the biblical examples I, I provided here um, all involve a certain amount of physical danger or risk. Um, and most of us probably won't have much of an opportunity, at least not in our daily lives, to to exercise courage in that way, so I want to focus on a different, um, kind of a different direction here. Um, at least Joe might have a more opportunity to uh, to uh, exercise courage in that way. Um, it's like parents, you know, jumping in the water to save a drowning child. That that'd be another dangerous example that maybe some of us can relate to more rather than the Navy SEALs or something like that. Or helping someone out of, out of a burning car. Defending a family member or a friend from harm. Um, whether it's an attacker or another dangerous situation. And in some ways, I, I think that it might be easy to think, 
you know, and if I was ever in a situation like that, of course I would do that. But I think it was Jamie Wald, it was the first time that I've heard this phrase. He said, we don't rise to the occasion, we fall back to our highest level of training. I don't know if that's his phrase or if he got it from somewhere else. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, the credit goes to him for this one. And the, the Bible talks about courage numerous times. Um, the research I did on BibleHub.com showed 183 times courage or courageous is mentioned. And so I, I think we can agree that it's important and that we should learn from that. So what I like to do when I study words like this, I like to look up the definitions. I did that in my last talk. I'm doing it again here multiple times. And so the definition of courage in the Merriam-Webster's dictionary is mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. These phrases, strength to persevere or withstand danger and fear, are, are very important as we've discussed. Um, and there are many examples of this um, in the Bible, exercising this kind of courage. But what I want to focus on is this difficulty part. Um, oftentimes, the more subtle instances of courage, um, I think, over time, can actually be more important to our, to our uh, faith um, if exercised. And I think sometimes we forget about them because they're seemingly smaller. So tonight, that's what I want to focus on. So this definition, I think we can... We can kind of summarize a little bit um, to strength to withstand difficulty. And if we, do, if we kind of look at it that way, um, that can be a lot of things, right? There's a lot of difficult things out there. So a few of them that I want to talk to tonight um, are uh, sharing your testimony. You know, it's not always an easy thing to do because you know, it's not easy to get in front of a group of people or to relive uh, some of those memories uh, of a past life before, before God uh, um, intervened in your life. Pointing out sin in someone's life, uh, in love, of course. This isn't something that's easy to do. Um, I'm kind of a non-confrontational person by nature, and so it's definitely something that's not comfortable for me. Maybe not for everyone, but for me it is. Um, being a defender of truth. In conversations with friend or friends or family, when the truth is being ignored um, willfully or, or ignorantly, I don't think it really matters, um, are we willing to, to, to speak up and uh, defend the truth, especially if that truth is unpopular? Also, leading, leading our families. Um, this goes for men and women. Um, men, leading the family spiritually, reading the Bible with your family, praying for your family and with your family. Women, you know the the uh, the daily uh, task of raising your kids that's hard uh, persevering withstanding difficulty in those moments when the kids are especially especially bad for having a tough day we'll touch more on these uh, here in a little bit um, but as I was thinking of what courage is and having courage and difficulty I started to realize that the opposite of courage is being anxious or having anxiety or fear and so I, I looked at the definition of anxiety, um, and here's one of the definitions. An uneasy state of mind, usually over the possibility of an anticipated misfortune or trouble. Another one, um, I think both of these come from Miriam's Webster. The emotion experienced in the presence or threat or danger. So really, when we're confronted with these situations that are maybe scary or um, uncertain or, or troublesome, I think we're left with a choice, right? Are we going to 
Are we going to react or respond in courage, or are we going to react and respond with anxiety or anxiousness and do nothing? An uneasy state of mind is, you know, you're, essentially you're choosing that, or at least choosing not to have that. Uh, the World Health Organization did a study um, shortly after the uh, pandemic, and well, I don't know if it was shortly after, but anxiety and depression increased 25% since the pandemic started, mostly in women and children. And so difficulty and hard times can look a little different. It can kind of ebb and flow with the times a little bit um, and be different for each person. But the fact of the matter is that these situations still cause us fear as humans. Um, but we need to respond to that. And our call, no matter the level of difficulty, is the same. And so um, go through some Bible passages here. Second Timothy 1, 6 through 7 says, For this reason I remind, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So before, before this passage, um, in the book of 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, kind of, um, I don't know if congratulating is the right word, but he's, he's saying, Timothy, I'm proud of you for your faith. I'm proud of you for having the faith that your grandmother Eunice had. And then he goes into this. And what I find interesting in, in this set of verses here, not only the fact that God doesn't give us fear, um, but if God doesn't give us fear, it's got to come from somewhere, and it comes from our flesh. And if we're not uh, cognizant or aware of that all the time, it can kind of take over. We are human by nature, but we constantly need to exercise our faith to overcome this feeling of fear or anxiety. And I love this word. I think all the passages I have today are ESV, and I love the way they say fan into flame. Um, I thought of when it started a campfire. I like to start campfires uh, by hand or like using a ferro rod or flint. It takes way too long, but it's fun. But it takes a lot of work and attention, um, and it's not something that's just going to happen because you want it to. You have to work at it, and you have to train for it. Also in Philippians 4, Paul is writing, talking about rejoicing, uh, even in hard times. Uh, so here, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I, I guess the psalm comes from right, right from here. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So verse 5, known to everyone, part of, you know, part of sharing your testimony or, or just being a light for, for the Lord in your community or in your environment um, is not being anxious. And by that, your, it says, you let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. This is an act of choice. Verse 6, it says, do not be anxious do not be anxious for anything. Uh, why? Why does it say that? Well, it says right before, the Lord is at hand. And if the Lord is here and at hand, what do we have to worry about? But in everything, in prayer, in supplication, I looked up this word supplication. I don't have the definition up here, but it's a form of prayer where one humbly has to ask another for something. In this case, we are, we are humbly asking God to give us something. Um, and in in many cases, I think we need to ask for courage or strength to, to face whatever situation we have um, in our families or work or friends or, or the world in general. 
Moving on, in the same passage in Philippians 4, he writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul goes on to list a bunch of things we should focus on. Um, and if we think about them and put them into practice, then what? God will be, God's peace, rather, will be with us. That's a promise, and one we should not forget. Finishing up here, um, this, this passage, he writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, that you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul says he's learned how to be content in any situation. And I don't know about you, but I definitely have not learned that yet. Um, knowing how to be brought low and how to abound. Whenever It's easy to be happy or be thankful when things are good, when things are ab- ab- abundant, or you, know, you don't have a lot of struggle or, or hardship uh, happening in your life. But when things uh, get tough, it's a lot harder to be happy and to, have, to be in a rejoicing mindset. But Paul says that the highs and lows, plenty and abundance or hunger and need, he kind of makes that contrast two different times. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I, uh, I think that might be one of the more out of context verses in the Bible, maybe alongside Jeremiah 29:11, But um, it is. I think it's out of context a lot. I, I don't know if um, that's really what Paul meant for that to be used in any case but I think it is a lot of times. I remember when I played baseball, I had a wristband on my left arm, and I had Phil 413 on it. You know, my mindset was winning games, you know, playing well, you know, hitting the ball well, winning a championship. But Paul is saying this after being hungry or, or having a need. Uh, mindsets are just wildly different there. So we know that our human emotion of fear doesn't come from God, and we need peace uh, we can find peace in the Lord. It's easier said than done, so we can continue to uh, look at some examples. And so what I'm trying to share tonight and, and drive home is that if we can practice courage and overcoming and engaging with difficult situations in these little things, you know, maybe that puts us in a better position when those things start to get bigger um, in, in life and in our world. We need to be ready to, to face those, so why not start with the little things? So, sharing your faith. You might have thoughts of, well, what do I say to that person? What if they ask me this? What if they ask me that? How will someone respond? There's a lot of scripture in the Old Testament and New Testament talking about God or the Holy Spirit helping us. Um, The one I chose for this is Matthew 10. It says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Um, The context here is essentially persecution. Um, it's, It's talking how you know, brothers will betray brothers in the end times, uh, essentially. But I think that this same uh, kind of encouragement can be used for, for any circumstance. Um, 
And it's really encouraging to know that, you know, it's not all on me. It's, it's God working through us, and that's what is stated here. Um, sharing our faith is also a command. I think it's Mark 7 or 5, one of them, and talking about going to all the world and make disciples. So it's not just something that's healthy for us to do. Um, it's something Jesus asks us to do. Also, 1 Peter 3, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So we're to, do, we're to share with gentleness and respect, um, to live righteously, practicing those things that Paul wrote about in Philippians 4. Um, and what can happen if we do that? It says, when others slander your works of service to the Lord, you know, maybe they call you a goody two-shoes, or maybe they beat you up, I don't know, but when other people are seeing this happen, and you're living um, a life of good conscience and righteously, those bystanders will see your God's good through you and the evil at work against you, and that's a good testimony to the Lord, ultimately bringing glory to God and not us. Other, it says other people will, will uh, yeah, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. People will notice that. They'll see them for the fools that they are and, and how the glory is pointing to God. Similarly to sharing our faith, sharing our testimony can be a little nerve-wracking. Um, everyone has a different story, a different background, a different past, you know, and so it can sometimes be hard to share that. It can be hard to be vulnerable or retelling those painful memories. And when some people, um, I've been around some people, when they share a part of their testimony, it brings them to tears. It's hard to relive some of those memories or rethink about some of those situations that you've been in in your life. However, it, it, it can be a great benefit because people can see how the Lord worked in your life. Not that you worked through your situations in your life, but that God uh, did a good work in your life, bringing the glory right back to God where it belongs. First uh, Chronicles uh, sixteen eight, I think I have it here. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. So when we share our testimony, it is that even if it is hard, it's making known His deeds. It's not about us; it's about Him. Also, Ephesians 2.10 talks about how we are his workmanship, which God prepared. Uh, the next thing, pointing out sin and love. Uh, Matthew 18 provides the blueprint on church discipline and how to do this properly. You, know, you, you go to him, you go to that person and say, hey, you know, either they sinned against you or not or whatever. You can point that out to them. Or if, if that doesn't work, you bring two or three people. And I don't have the passage up here. Uh, to go into it tonight, but essentially that's the that's the blueprint for it. Um, also, Ephesians 4 talks about speaking the truth in love, but that doesn't mean we don't say anything, right? We don't love them by being quiet. The first word in that verse is speak, right? So we can't speak truth if we don't open our mouth. But I think we need to, you know, be careful not to, um, for lack of a better term, Bible thump. You know, we don't want to um, just smack them across the head with truth. We're on their side, right? We're sinners too. 
we need to help them through this situation. That's, that's what we're here as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but we can't stay quiet. We need to be defenders of truth. Um, and that goes into my next one. Um, in conversations with friends, family, coworkers, uh, whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of lies out there in news and social media and whatnot, uh, even in some churches. And so the, the false teachings and the, and the, the false... Uh, false news, I guess you could call it, is out there, and it's often hard to uh, speak against that because it, you know, sometimes what I think is true turns out to not be true, right? So, like, how do we um, navigate this whirlwind of of news sources? It can be hard, but when it comes to biblical truth, we don't have to worry about that source being in flux. We know that that's true, and we can we can stand on that. Uh, but like I said, it's hard to do, especially when someone else is in this group or whatever the case may be, spreading uh, things that aren't true. And in a loud and obnoxious way, that can be hard to c- confront, like I said earlier, especially if, if the truth you know to be true is unpopular. But sometimes calmly asking a question can shed light on the truth. You know, Jesus did this all the time uh, with the Pharisees. And, and I think that's a better approach than you know, getting in an argument and getting up in someone's face. Uh, even if what you're saying is true and right, there's a way, there's a correct way to go about it. Uh, my dad always said when I was growing up, he said, better to be silent and thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. And um, I always thought this was in the Bible, but it turns out it's not. It is. It's a, it's a rough paraphrase of a, of a proverb, yeah. Um, and so I've always tried to live by that, you know, not speaking unless I have something useful to say. Um, but I think that can be carried too far, right? We can, we can get comfortable in that and not speaking up when the truth matters. And so I've, lately I've kind of been trying hard to kind of find a balance there with that. And I think speaking the truth in love is the most important part of that. Oh, I had cues for all that. Leading your family. So men, we're going to talk first. Uh, praying and reading scripture with your family. Um, Deuteronomy 11 talks about when you rise, when you walk, and when you lie down, always teaching. Um, and in preparing for this, I was pretty convicted on this. I've not done a good job as a husband or a father uh, doing this. And so... Um, and I did not help him with that conviction? I nope, I added that myself. But it is hard, and it's, it's easy to... You know, it's hard to build the habit. It's easy to lose it. And that's true with a lot of things. Right, but uh, it's something that we're called to do. We're called to be protectors, um, and it, the Bible says that we're the head of the household, which, which uh, kind of presumes a bit of responsibility there. And so we need to take on that responsibility and, and make that choice. Um, you know, this might not seem like the most courageous thing to do, but I think it is. I think any type of difficulty. Or, or something that's hard um, involves at least a certain degree of, of courage. Um, and in the midst of daily life, it can be difficult to prioritize that, but I encourage uh, the men here and myself for sure to, to step up in that. Spiritual leadership, we kind of talked about that um, a bit, but Ephesians 5.23 says that we're the head of our household responsible for our families. And so I uh, have an image here to kind of portray um, protecting our kids from the outside, the outside world. 
First um, Timothy talks about managing your household well when it's talking about qualifications for elders and pastors. And so are, are we making sure our family, our kids, and our wives are, are not being consumed with um, secular things, media, um, whatever the case may be, or, or are they receiving biblical truth at, from you as the leader? Uh, I, I thought of Joshua 24, um, when, when Joshua basically doesn't even leave it up to the family for discussion. He just says, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. It's not a question. The decision was made right then and there. And I think we have the ability and are in that position to make that same decision. Uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 25 and 26 talks about loving your wives and washing her with the water of the word. This is another one I was convicted on. Um, just have not done well. I'll be honest, not done well in that. Um, basically our whole marriage, but definitely lately. Okay, so women. Like I said earlier, raising kids, this is really hard sometimes, right? Um, and I, I don't even do it all day. I just do it a bit in the morning and a bit in the evening after work or before work. Um, it's easy to give up or, or maybe ease up on some of the disciplining because things are hard. Maybe it's easier just to let something slide because you don't have the energy or you don't feel like it or you'd rather you know, get stuff done around the house. Or watch YouTube. Yeah. Sir, are you saying that only women can raise children? No, I'm not saying that, which is why I added the caveat of... Come on, Andrew. <laughs> Come on, Andrew, is what I said. Jerk. That works, too. Loosely <laughs> translated. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it takes courage. It really does to, to step up in these instances and persevere through those challenging times and you know to andrew's point it does apply to, to men too like we are we're both responsible for these kids and we both need to um, take our responsibility and our duty seriously um, proverbs 20 22 6 talks about training up a child the way you should go and there's many other passages in proverbs and psalms um, that talk about raising your kids and teaching them truth gossip uh I had this in my notes, Andrew. Men are not exempt from this, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. However, uh, are you sure you're women speak about 20,000 words a day versus men's seven. So I think it's maybe a little more applicable Is here. Seven words or 7,000? 7,000. Seven Depends on the day for Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For Steve, it might actually be seven. <laughs> but for real. We, we need to guard our, guard our uh, tongues against slander. Uh, Psalm 15 talks about who shall dwell on God's holy hill. It's one who does not slander with the tongue. And so it's super important, but easy, super easy to do, especially in a group of people where you're talking about someone else's problems. But if they're not there, like we need to watch that. It can, it can be harmful. It can be easy to accidentally say something that's false or not true or spread something that's false or not true, and we don't want to be involved in that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's convicting for sure. Well, the other thing that would take courage is to call someone out. Yes. I mean, that takes a lot of courage. For it sure. It take a lot of courage to gossip, but to call people out in the midst of it, that's hard. Yeah. Especially if they're like a really good friend and you're with a group of people and it's, 
I think the Bible says something about a little piece of gossip is like a juicy morsel. Mm. I mean, we want it. We want that chocolate chip of morsel sure. gossip. And it's, it's hard to call that courage to me when someone calls you out or whatever. And it's like, Ooh. Yeah, going back to the, the truth and love. like, mm-hmm. And, you know, if someone else in your group does say that, respond humbly with that. Say, you know what, you're absolutely right. Let's change the topic or whatever. Even with your spouse, I think... One thing that's good. Yeah. Sorry, no, I'm going. We all know your spouse. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me since she's been born is just the way that I react to things, mm. like minor inconveniences. What comes out of my mouth? What is my posture when, you know, something doesn't go exactly the way I want? And that's been very evident to me that I'm. No matter what I teach my daughter, what the way that I react to situations is what she's going to emulate. Mm-hmm. And so like when something happens to us and we're like, oh, this sucks, this is just the worst. Like she's listening, even though she can't talk yet, she's listening. And I think we have to both hold each other accountable for that. Just the way that we react to certain things and the things that come out of our mouth. Yeah, not only are they listening, but they're watching too. Mm-hmm. And so they... they you know, we don't even have to say anything, but they'll watch our body language reactions to certain things, and yeah, they pick up on that for sure. It's a little scary when you see them react the way you did a couple of days ago, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look good. Like, hey, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Oh, wait. I, don't know I did that on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Proverbs talks a lot about being upright with our words, and so, yeah, like you guys have uh, chimed in, it's definitely something that we can uh, do better in. I wasn't going to put this one in, but Kristen was like, why not? And so I did. Uh, Submitting to your husband can, I think, involve courage sometimes, especially if maybe maybe your husband isn't uh, living, trying to live a righteous life. Maybe maybe they're not even saved. I don't know. Um, But you still have a a call biblically to to respect and and submit. Uh, Ephesians 5.22 talks, I I shared this verse earlier uh, for the men bit but husband is the head of the household as christ is the head of the church um colossians 3 18 says that uh, says a similar phrasing but says uh submit to your husbands as is fitting to the lord and so that's something that that's important here um i thought of abigail as well in first samuel 25 she was married to um a real terrible dude uh, his name is nabal and nabal does all of these insults and accusations against King David. And uh, Abigail sends a whole bunch of food to David and says, please don't retaliate to Nabal. She was acting in the best interest of her husband, even though he did a very bad thing. Um, but she was still doing her, her, her duty of respecting and submitting um, and trying to care as best she could uh, to someone who, who was a bad man. Um, and God ended up taking care of the problem shortly after anyway. So, yeah. What chapter was that? Uh, 25, 1 Samuel 25. I have a picture for that one as well. Taking the arrows to save the little guy. Uh, so to kind of wrap, wrap this up, um, courage isn't just these, these epic uh, and heroic acts as soldiers. Um, it's not just the heroic acts of the soldiers or fictional characters or even the stories we find uh, in the Bible. We can exercise courage in our everyday life 
as an act of obedience, like I said earlier, we have to actively train this, like fanning that flame. We have to step out and do that, um, and leaning on the strength and peace that we find in Jesus. And so I want to, as soon as the animation plays, go to a final challenge. Uh, so one thing I want us all to kind of take seriously, myself included, is this next week or next month or whatever, find an opportunity to, to mindfully and meaningfully approach a situation, even if it's small, with, with courage that maybe last week or this past week you wouldn't. Um, make a small adjustment, a small improvement in, in just one area. I think it's healthy and, and um, ask God for, for his peace and for his strength uh, to help you. That, um, in Philippians 4, it said that the, the promise of God's peace by focusing on what is true, what is honorable, and what is excellent, um, and approaching something that could make our human nature and our human uh, fear response kind of take over. Let's stop that and let's, let's pray. Ask God, supp- supplication, ask God humbly for his strength and for his uh, purpose in your life. Because um, we have to exercise and train ourselves uh, to rely on the courage from God and step out in faith um, to put it into practice. So that's all I had. I guess we can go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you again for this time. We thank you for uh, giving us your strength, Lord, or at least making it accessible for us to ask you for it. Thank you that it's not all up to us, and it's not all on us to do on our own, Lord, because we are, we are so unworthy to, to do that on our own. But we thank you so much for providing a way, providing uh, the strength and the peace that we need to interact with our world and our families and our friends. I ask that you, in a special way, um, encourage us as we leave here. Help us to, to find a time this week or next week to, uh, to respond to a situation with more courage than we would have last week. Uh, help us to uh, stand upon truth um, and, and put that into practice in our daily lives. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us. In your, your name, amen.